Hi, this is the podcast Walking with Dante, and I'm Mark Scarborough, and we are in the second canto of the Inferno. We are walking at my pace, which is not fast. We're going to go from lines 43 all the way to 75 in the second canto of Inferno, and I would encourage you to go back and start at the beginning if you haven't already through this podcast, because we're kind of going through the comedy in order and we've made it all the way up to i don't know about the end of the first third of the second canto of 34 it's a big task we got lots of time i'm gonna read you the passage for today i may read it twice it's not exactly a long passage let me read it twice i want to remind you that this is my rough translation if you would like to get your own translation i can't imagine a better translation than stanley lombardo's translation into english of both the inferno uh, uh, purgatorio and paradiso i said both but of all three but you can just start with getting lombardo's translation english translation of inferno it's a facing page translation so you can see the Italian, the medieval Italian on one side and his English translation on the other. It's a great way to follow along or you can just do what you might want to do, which is just listen to me and my rough translation of it. So here we go. Well, I say here we go. Let me back up. <laughs> Let me back up and say if you remember where we were, Dante has tried to start out his journey and then he's been stopped by saying, I'm not Aeneas. I'm not St. Paul. Why Why am I chosen to go on this walk across the known universe? And I told you that the entire second canto is a battle uh, of rhetoric. And the battle is going to become more engaged. So in the passage that I'm going to read you, we're going to actually hear Virgil speak first. And then Virgil is going to tell us what someone else said. So Virgil's answer to Dante, why, why me? Why did I get chosen to do this? I'm not worthy enough to do this. Here it is. If I fully understand your words, replied that shade of that great one, your spirit is struck with cowardice which so often constrains a man that he turns back from his honorable business like an animal that shies away when darkness falls. To free yourself from this fear, I will tell you why I came and what I heard when I first felt your sorrow. I was with those who are suspended when a lady called me so blessed and beautiful that I begged her to command me. Her eyes beamed brighter than the morning star, and when she started in with her gentle and soft words, like an angel's voice, she told me, O courteous Mantuan spirit, whose fame endures in the world and will endure while the world lasts, my friend, not the friend of fortune, is so blocked on a barren slope that he has turned back because of fear. From what I hear of him in heaven, I am afraid he has so lost his way that I have risen too late to help him. Get going, and with your ornate words and anything else you need for his deliverance, help him so that I may be consoled. I am Beatrice, who sends you out. I am come from where I desire to return. Love moved me and makes me speak. When I am again before my Lord, I will often praise you to him. She fell silent, and then I started off by saying, and that's where we're going to break it, Virgil's reply. 
All right, the passage we have today is in two voices. It is in Virgil's voice, and it is in Beatrice's voice. And these two are about to have a debate. I'm not going to do it in funny voices this time. I'm just going to let it stand. I think you can hear who's saying what, but basically Virgil's saying the whole thing, but he's telling Dante the Pilgrim what Beatrice told him. So let me read the whole passage one more time to you. If I fully understand your words, replied that shade of that great one, your spirit is struck with cowardice, which so often constrains a man that he turns back from his honorable business like an animal that shies away when darkness falls. To free yourself from that fear, I will tell you why I came and what I heard when I first felt your sorrow. I was with those who are suspended when a lady called me so blessed and beautiful that I begged her to command me. Her eyes beamed brighter than the morning air, and when she started in with her gentle and soft words like an angel's voice, she told me, O courteous Mantuan spirit, whose fame endures in the world and will endure while the world lasts, my friend, not the friend of fortune, is so blocked on a barren slope that he is turned back because of fear. From what I hear of him in heaven, I'm afraid he has so lost his way that I have risen too late to help him. Get going, and with your ornate words and anything else you need for his deliverance, help him so that I may be consoled. I am Beatrice, who sends you out. I am come from where I desire to return. Love moved me and makes me speak. When I am again before my Lord, I will often praise you to him. She fell silent, and then I started off by saying, Okay, so rhetoric. A rhetorical battle. In fact, the rhetorical battle is engaged. What is rhetoric? Rhetoric is part of the classical learning, but rhetoric, to put it in a kind of common way, rhetoric is the use of words to gain the upper hand. It's the ability to use words such that your argument wins, or your position wins, or you persuade someone to your opinion, or you persuade someone to do something for you. It is words used in the service of something. It's a sign of the facility you have with language, how you can work around language and make people do what you want with words. This is all a rhetorical battle. We've started out with Dante explaining his unworthiness, that he is not Aeneas, he is not St. Paul. Why would he be chosen to walk across the universe? And then we start in here. And I just want to take the opening nine lines of this passage as our first bit. Virgil says, if I fully understand your words, and we should just stop right here. I believe that if is key to the passage. It's the key (laughs) interpretive crux. If I fully understand your words, Virgil says to Dante the Pilgrim, and it's the fulcrum because the passage and all that follows is about being understood. And there is a question about whether Dante the Pilgrim can be understood. Did I really get what you're saying? In other words, you're not so good at rhetoric, are you? I'm not quite getting the whole point that's going on here, Virgil is essentially saying. You're not up to the rhetorical snuff that I am. If I fully understand your words, you hear a little dig, 
replied the shade of that great one and the great one the mag the magnificent one as it is in the med- medieval italian that replied the shade of that magnificent one we can hear with just that word magnificent the little dig in the line if i fully understand your words hey you know because you're not really making much sense kid your spirit is struck with cowardice uh-oh Virgil just redefined the problem. Dante had said, I am not Aeneas. I am not St. Paul. Dante had kind of been arguing for modesty. Who am I? Listen, who am I to go on this big journey? And Virgil rethinks it and says, part of the reason you're not understood is because you don't understand yourself. You're claiming modesty and it's false. Your spirit is struck with cowardice which so often constrains a man that he turns back from his honorable business. Uh, That's your problem. Your problem is cowardice, like an animal that shies away when darkness falls. Boy, Virgil hits him. At first, he kind of, uh, you know, tweaks him. He kind of nudges him, if I understand you fully, if I'm really getting what you're saying because you're not making much sense, kid. But then he just goes in for the kill rhetorically and he turns the knife he slips it in with cowardice he says it constrains a man from honorable business from doing what is honorable or what is worthy and then it ends with that that simile like an animal that shies away when darkness falls he he just twists the knife fully so that your cowardice has made you lose your humanity in other words cut it out Quit pretending that you're some that you're not worthy of this journey. Admit what's the problem. So, Virgil goes on, to free yourself from this fear, and I just want to stop and pause right there on that phrase, to free yourself from this fear. It's reflexive in the Italian. It's not that Virgil can free Dante the Pilgrim. It is that Dante the Pilgrim must free himself to free yourself from this fear. I will tell you why I came and what I heard when I first felt your sorrow. And you should know that there's a little bit of play on words here. The word for heard in the medieval Italian is actually elided. There's a a prefix that's dropped off the word with an apostrophe, as it were. But what happens is that that word heard, that I'm translating as heard, but I came and what I heard looks a great deal like the word if I fully understand. So there's a play on the word if I fully understand your words, and then here I'll tell you what I heard. In other words, I can't understand you, but what I heard I understand fully. I don't have any problem understanding what I'm about to tell you because it was stated clearly in clear rhetoric why I came and what I heard when I first felt your sorrow. You may feel like Virgil is being a little mean to Dante. <laughs> Just wait to what some other characters in the comedy do to Dante. You may feel he's being mean, and I, I think that you're not wrong in that, and not in being mean, but there is a kind of rivalry that is going to develop between Dante the Pilgrim and Virgil, and they are going to kind of spar at each other, and Dante's going to, believe me, give as much as he gets as things go forward. So that's our first bit, Virgil slipping the knife in at first, slowly, and then more and more until he says, finally, I may not understand you, but I understood what I heard, and here it comes. Virgil says something that is not understandable. The irony of this poem. This is on to the second part. Virgil says, 
I was with those who are suspended. What in the world does that mean? If you have read the entire comedy, or at least read forward a few cantos, you know what it means. Virgil's in limbo. But Virgil does not say, I was in limbo when a lady called me. He's in the part of hell that is suspended between God and God's voracious and ferocious judgment. But it's a weird way to say it. And if you're just encountering the Divine Comedy for the first time, I was with those who are suspended. You, you don't know what he's talking about. You think, suspended? Again, theologically suspended between God and his judgment, as it were, in some place. But if you haven't read the comedy, you don't know what it means. It sounds so weird, especially after Virgil has chastised Dante for not making himself understood. That's part of the rhetorical gamesmanship. I've just put you down, and now I'm going to say something that you may not understand. Nah, 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 nah. I was with those who are suspended when a lady called me so blessed and beautiful that I begged her to command me. Ah, look at that. A lady, donna in the medieval Italian, a donna, a lady called, and I begged her to command me. Virgil does chivalry. He's being like a knight. He's found a lady, and he, she's so beautiful and so blessed that he asks her to command him in a kind of gamesmanship of chivalry that they, Virgil and Beatrice, are now going to play. Her eyes beamed brighter than the morning star, and when she started in with her gentle and soft words, like an angel's voice, she told me, and I'm going to stop right there, those words, gentle and soft, suave e piana, that is so important. She speaks in a gentle and soft way. And we should immediately think of this as the humble, low, plain-spoken, easy way to talk. If you remember the passage I just read you, Beatrice is going to say, Take your ornate words, your polished words, and go help Dante, Virgil. His words are ornate and polished. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Hers are velvety and quiet. This sets up a problem in the comedy, and it's going it's gonna to blow forward from this moment of a discussion between Virgil and Beatrice. So let me just have this for a moment. Basically, Beatrice speaks in what we will come to know as the low style. Now, the low style can blow out to the universe, as we'll see, but it is still the humble, low, plain-spoken style. Not Latin, in other words, but Italian, like what Dante writes in. In fact, the truth of the matter is that Beatrice speaks the low style, and she tells Virgil that he speaks the high style, ornate words, polished words. And this is a big debate, we'll come back to this many times, that is going on in how to write poetry. And Dante is writing poetry in the common language, the vernacular. In the end, and this is the big point, Dante writes the comedy in Beatrice's language, not Virgil's. And you should just really pause on that for just a moment. He writes the comedy in in Beatrice's 
soft and gentle, not all of Dante's words will be gentle, but a, a, a version of the low style, and he therefore does not ultimately follow his poetic mentor, but instead follows Beatrice into a new form of poetry. That's so crucial to what's going to happen. So let's go on to the third part, which is Beatrice's first speech. Oh, courteous Mantuan spirit, she starts, and she starts right in with the rhetorical games. Because basically what Beatrice is doing is she's flattering Virgil. Oh, courteous, and that courteous, it's such a word associated with chivalry, courtesy, meaning somebody who knows your place and does good based on where your place is, and somebody who knows that I am above them and so treats me courteously, treats me with respect, we might say in the modern world. Oh, courteous Mantuan spirit, whose fame endures in the world and will endure while the world lasts. She's really laying it on thick. So, Virgil, your fame is still up there in the world, and it's going to endure as long as time itself shall endure. And she could add the last judgment there, but she doesn't. Instead, she flatters Virgil because she wants something out of him. You may find this odd, but this is all part of the rhetorical gamesmanship of this entire canto. They've got to use language to get what they want. And when they get language right, they can get what they want. Just think about that in terms of the comedy. When Dante gets language right, when he can be understood, the journey can go on its way. In order for that to happen, we're going to watch all these characters, Virgil, Dante, and Beatrice, attempt to get what they want out of language. What she wants is Virgil to go help Dante. She wants him to leave Limbo and go help Dante. Ocordi Spit, whose fame endures in the world, she says, and while and will endure while the world lasts. My friend, oh, it's a big thing in remember in in the middle ages you need to be connected through friendship patterns to those who will protect you and take care of you when we get way down into the bottom of hell we will discover one of the most dire sins that is ever punished are people who violate the relationship between a host <laughs> and a guest. I always say, if I come to your house and you don't serve me the good wine, you go into the bottom of hell. It's people who violate the guest host relationship because it is sacred. And by calling him friend here, she's invoking that guest host relationship. She's saying, somebody who's under my protection, my friend, and not a friend of fortune. Interesting that Beatrice doesn't say God. Does she not say God, not a friend of God, somebody who's mm, kind of under God's thumb right now? She says fortune. Does she say that because she doesn't think Virgil knows who really knows who God is as a pagan? Or does she say that because that's what Virgil would understand? I think it's, I think personally it's the latter. She's talking Virgil's language. She's using language in a way that he would understand fortune. She's not going to use words like God because he's a pagan. She's not going to use Christian terms. She's going to use words that he gets. From what I hear, uh, she says, my friend, not, a, not the friend of fortune, is so blocked on a barren slope that he is turned back because of fear. From what I hear of him in heaven, I am afraid he has so lost his way that I have risen too late to help him. And the words she's using here are reminiscent of the opening of the Divine Comedy. Remember those opening lines in the middle of life? Uh, I, I found myself in a dark wood for the, uh, for the straight way was lost. Smarita, 
She's using the same word here. From what I hear of him, I'm afraid he's so lost, smarito. In fact, she's using more words. The words that she's using to describe Dante's position are quoted words, essentially, out of the first canto. In other words, <laughs> Beatrice is referencing Dante's poetry. Just let me have this kind of moment of a house of mirrors. Beatrice is quoting the first canto of the comedy when she talks to Virgil. Now, you can either say that Dante is playing a very smart game of self-referentiality here, or you can say this is an example of how Dante ultimately writes the poem in Beatrice's way, in her soft and gentle words, gentle and soft words. Ultimately, he picks this style up and sees she's using words that he then uses to write the comedy. If that's the case, you have to back-reference the first canto. If you want to take it more ironically, then you pull it forward and you say Beatrice is quoting the first canto in which Dante is really playing with your head. I have risen too late to help him, she says, so get going. And with your ornate words, your parole ornate, your polished words, I said ornate words so you kind of hear it, your polished words, Virgil, the high style. This is not the only time we're going to hear this phrase, parole ornate. We're going to hear it again in hell. Someone else is going to have the polished words, the ornate words. Just wait, because that someone is going to be shocking. We're going to hear these ex- this exact terminology used for Jason, of Jason and the Argonauts. And if you remember, I told you when we get up to the top of heaven, Dante is going to claim to be the new Jason, the new Jason who doesn't write in ornate words, but writes in the humble vernacular low style, the gentle and soft words. That's all to come. Get going and with your ornate words and anything else you need for his deliverance. In other words, Virgil, use what you got. What you got is the high style, the Latin fancy style. Use it. Get up there and use your words to get Dante doing what we know he needs to do. Use your rhetoric to further our rhetoric and get him knowing, get him doing what we know he needs to do. Help him so that I may be consoled. And then she offers it straight out. I am Beatrice. Ison Beatrice. She names herself in ways that Virgil never does. Do you remember when Dante meets Virgil? It is Dante who names him. Virgil does that big circumlocution about, oh, where he was born, and I'm of Mantua, and blah, 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 and he goes all around without ever saying exactly who he is, and then Dante says, are you Virgil? So Dante names him. Here, Beatrice, Beatrice, is the opposite. She names herself. She may have gone a bit around saying what she needs, what she's doing is flattering him and using her rhetoric to get Virgil going, but then she comes right out and just declares herself. I am Beatrice who sends you out. I come from where I desire to return. This is very important. Dicio, where I desire to return. We're going to discover that the very essence of God is desire. It is what she's experiencing. She lives in a state of fulfilled desire. It's not too far to say that you will discover that the saved, the redeemed, live in a state of, yikes, sexual bliss. 
just wait, just wait. It's not too far to say it in Dante. She says, I come from where I desire to return. Love moved me and makes me speak when I am again before my Lord. And she, she says, Senor, she's using words again from chivalry. She, of course, it's a word for God, Lord. But she's really laying it on like chivalry. I'm a lady that's come from a manor house, from a lord. And if you'll do me this courteous favor, then I will always speak well of you. That's basically what she says. When I am again before my lord, I will often praise you to him. And after that, she falls silent. <laughs> but just a minute. Virgil's in hell. He's damned. He's in limbo. May not be the worst part of hell, by a long shot, as you'll see. But it is still hell. What good does Beatrice's praise do, Virgil? Is God going to change his mind? Is God going to say, oops, maybe I'll pull Virgil up to heaven? This question was asked by Lodovico Castelveltro, a great Renaissance literary critic, as early as the uh, mid-16th century in his commentary on Dante, questo che monta a Virgilio che è danato. What good does this do Virgil, who is damned? Beatrice is flattering the old Latin poet. She's offering him things that even she can't deliver. Her rhetoric has reached the breaking point. So what? She'll say good things in God's ear about Virgil? God's not going to change his mind. This is one of the more curious moments in the opening of comedy. Why does Beatrice offer that which really doesn't matter? It's not going to lessen Virgil's punishment. Is she pushing rhetoric as far as it can go? Is that why she falls silent? Because she's brought to a rhetorical impasse in her courteous chivalric speech? Is she, is she finally just laying it on so thick that poor Virgil has no choice but to go save Dante by using his polished words? Unclear, but I tell, can tell you what is clear, and that is in the next episode of Walking with Dante, we're going to go much farther. In fact, one of the shocking things about comedy is that by the middle of the second canto of Inferno, Hell, we find ourselves all the way up at the top of heaven. Next time, we will ascend with Beatrice to the top of heaven and hear how she got here with Virgil. It's an interesting story, and it's an interesting idea that the beginning of this journey leaps up by the second canto all the way to heaven and then falls all the way back down to hell before the journey gets started. Amazing structure architectural. Let me read you the passage one more time. If I fully understand your words, replied that shade of that great one, that is Virgil, your spirit is struck with cowardice, which so often constrains a man that he turns back from his honorable business like an animal that shies away when darkness falls. To free yourself from this fear, I will tell you why I came and what I heard when I first felt your sorrow. I was with those who are suspended when a lady called me, so blessed and beautiful that I begged her to command me, her eyes being brighter than the morning star, and when she started in with her gentle and soft words, like an angel's voice, she told me, 
O courteous matchman spirit, whose fame endures in the world and will endure while the world lasts, my friend, not the friend of fortune, is so blocked on a barren slope that he is turned back because of fear. From what I hear of him in heaven, I am afraid that he has so lost his way that I have risen too late to help him. Get going, and with your ornate words and anything else you need for his deliverance, help him so that I may be consoled. I am Beatrice who sends you out. I am come from where I desire to return. Love moved me and makes me speak. When I am again before my Lord, I will often praise you to him. She fell silent, and then I started off by saying, and when the next podcast comes up of Walking with Dante, we'll hear what Virgil has to say, which is kind of an amazing question that he asks, and Beatrice will compliment him on his great intelligence for asking such a question, and they'll be off to more rhetorical wars, all in an attempt to get Dante out and underway on his journey. Why is this important? Because there is no journey without language. In the comedy, in your life, in my life, everywhere. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, Walking with Dante. I hope you'll subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't gone back and started, start with me. Go back to the beginning. I'm walking back in... The very beginning, that's the great thing about podcasts, right? You can always start with me because I'm always starting back at the beginning and you can follow all the way up to this moment and then beyond as we descend to the depths of hell and ultimately ascend to the heights of heaven. Slow pace, my pace, but this is how I want to walk with Dante. I'm Mark Scarborough. Subscribe, follow me on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook under my own name. I'd love to connect with you, and I'd love to have you back here on the next episode of Walking with Dante. Walking with Dante.